Let's all stand. Praise the Lord for that day when he saved us. Amen. Let's have all the men that will come and let's gather around the altar and let's take this service to the Lord in prayer. Let's bow our heads now. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we thank you for letting us come back to the house of God. And what a joy it is to be here on Sunday night and to be able to come on this day and to assemble together, even tonight, to worship you and to hear from you. So, Father, speak to us now. Work in our hearts. Do things in our hearts. Glorify Jesus tonight in this service. May we be open to what you have for us. Speak to us now, and we'll thank you and praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Let's get us a songbook. Turn over page number 526. You have to work a little bit tonight. Everybody's had a nap today. Victory in Jesus, page 526. Most of us don't even need a book. Let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And again, I encourage you to be faithful in your giving. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering. May we worship you through our giving. In Jesus' name, amen.
with us and they want us to sing put on a crown and if we can be a blessing we're just going to let brother robert turn it loose and sing again tonight i hope you don't get tired of it but it's an encouraging song put on a crown or walk around all over
and he reads it loud and clear. I'm gonna stand upon my tiptoes, raise my hands, and stand. I'm here. stand tonight please as the choir is coming down being the friendliest church around let's get out and shake hands amazing grace how sweet the sound make sure everyone gets their hands shook tonight amazing grace
Thank you. You may be seated. We found Mike here at home this evening. I asked him to play a song for me that we used to do some time back. It brings back a few memories to me back when we lived out on Sand Mountain. We used to go to church in the evening and folks would sit around and talk a little bit after church. And when the sun was going down, well, we'd head back home. We didn't have a car. If we'd lucky, we had the mule and the wagon. Most of the time, we just walked. Seems like only yesterday After church we'd run and play Folks had time to stay and talk till day was done. But evening shadows lengthen fast. It's hard to make the good times last. All too soon we'd have to leave and head back home. I'd follow dead sometimes run taking two steps to his one but in the darkness little feet can fall behind then I'd feel lost start to cry but he was always standing by he'd say child Put your steps in mine Child, put your steps in mine Stay close and don't fall I remember oh so well that old altar where I knelt. I cried, Lord, take my life and make it thine. Like a voice from yesteryear, once again the words came clear.
glad we're on our way home. And it's because of the old rugged cross that we have that hope. Never tire of hearing of some songs, and the old rugged cross is one of them. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to First 
Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we continue making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been in it now for a number of weeks. Actually, this is my 43rd message from Corinthians, and we'll go through it. Just want to give you a couple of names I want you to be praying for and add to your prayer list. Of course, you check your bulletin each week to know who is in the hospital and who's not, but uh, Miss Lowry is in Parkridge Hospital, and uh, so you want to write her name down, be praying for her. Also, Danny Woods. Danny has is, is been in the hospital in Florida, I think, got some poisoning or something like this, and he's on his way back home, but he's got to go back in the hospital once he gets here. So put Danny's name on your prayer list. And also, Geneva Graham will be having surgery in the morning. So let's remember Geneva. Let's stand as we honor the reading of his word. I, 1 Corinthians 15 is a chapter that deals with the resurrection, the resurrection of Christ the resurrection of the believer. And uh, it's, it's the chapter when it comes to the resurrection, just like chapter uh, 12 and 13 and 14 are the chapters dealing with spiritual gifts. Chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter. I want you to think with me tonight on this thought. What if there was no resurrection? Now, I've preached from this text before, and I must be honest with you, and I've preached a lot of Easter messages and different things, but I've never had it get a hold of my heart quite like it did this week. The implications if Jesus had not risen from the dead. And I hope tonight the Spirit of God will help you to see the importance of the resurrection. We talk about the old rugged cross, how we thank God for the cross. I cherish that cross, but I also cherish an empty tomb yes, because the empty tomb means a lot of things to us. Look at verse 12 down through verse 19, and let's think tonight about what if there were no resurrection or was no resurrection. Verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ, and then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Thank you. you. May be seated. Tonight I pray the Spirit of God help us to understand the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how if Jesus Christ, if it were somehow proven that he had not rose from the dead, how it would totally change everything that we do, how it would totally change everything about our services tonight. Let's pray. Our Father, in Jesus' name, as we come to you, we come to you as our risen Lord, and we thank you for the glorious truth of your resurrection. Father, tonight as we look into your word, it is our desire to learn something from your word and to learn what the Bible is saying in the passage that is before us. But we want to do more, Lord, than just learn what the passage is saying. We want you to help us to see this truth tonight. Only the Spirit of God can give us that understanding. 
Only the Spirit of God can give illumination, that understanding and seeing with this eye of faith what the Scripture is saying. So tonight, let us see it. Let us come face to face tonight with what it would mean if you were not alive. So speak to our hearts and help us tonight to understand this and how important the resurrection is. For Lord, if we can see this tonight, then we'll appreciate the resurrection as we never have before. So fill me now with your spirit, Holy Spirit. Anoint me and empower me and use me. And we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake we ask these things. Amen. I think about how a number of years ago there were a couple of men in England, very, very brilliant men. One of them's name was Littleton. The other was named West. And so they got together and one of them said, you know what, I've been thinking about the matter. If we could disprove two things, we could destroy Christianity. And he said, if we could disprove the conversion of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we could undermine and destroy Christianity. So these two men made a decision or come to agreement that day. Littleton said, I'll spend a year investigating the conversion of the Apostle Paul. And West said, I'll spend a year investigating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we'll meet together again and to report our findings. So each went their separate way, determined to disprove the conversion of Paul and the resurrection of Christ. A year later they met and Littleton said to West, he said, after a year of investigation, I am convinced that the Bible story of the conversion of the Apostle Paul is true. And then he looked at his friend and said, I too, Mr. West, he said, Wes, I want you to understand something. I have been converted like Paul. West said to Littleton, he said, I have been investigating the resurrection of Jesus for a year, and Littleton, I too, have discovered that the resurrection of Christ is a fact undeniable and it may surprise you to know that I have received him as my Savior Littleton I'm a saved man well I want you to understand something tonight the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only something we believe it is a truth it is a fact there was an attorney by the name of Francis J Lamb that subjected the New Testament evidence to the jural test questioned each statement exactly as it would be done and accorded justice were a human life was at stake. And putting it through all kinds of scrutiny, the judge and a jury alike determining and discovering the absolute truth in the procedure. And after doing so, this is what Lamb had to say. Tested by the standards and the ordeals of jural science, by which questions of fact are asserted and demonstrated in contested questions of right between man and man, in courts of justice, the resurrection of Jesus Christ stands a demonstrated fact. And I could go on and on and on tonight of those who sought to deny the resurrection or tried to prove it, and they've all come away with the same conclusion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. Well, there were those in Paul's day that questioned the resurrection. Not so much the resurrection of Christ, his bodily resurrection, but there were those in Paul's day that somewhat doubted the bodily resurrection of the believer from the dead. In verse 12, we read, now Paul said, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now again, it was not so much that they were denying that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. For Paul had stated in verses 1, 2, and 3 
that they had believed in the gospel, which is the death and the burial and the resurrection, and it was their belief in that message that was the result of their conversion or the reason for their conversion. They were not denying that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, but what they were having trouble with was that the believer would have a bodily resurrection as well. As William Barclay said, they stated, they said, flatly dead men do not rise again. But in verse 13, Paul makes it very clear that if there be no resurrection of the believer's body, that it is an indication that Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. For notice what he said in verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. Paul was saying you cannot separate the two. It's like Roy Lauren in his commentary on Corinthians said, the two resurrections are tied together as cause and consequence. And he's absolutely right. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then the believer could not rise from the dead. But if the believer does not rise from the dead, if there be not a resurrection of the believer, then it's an indication that Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead as well. You can't separate the two. And so Paul is saying that the resurrection of Christ showed the possibility of the believer's bodily resurrection. If Jesus could be raised from the dead, then it was no problem for the believer's body to be raised from the dead. But also it provided the guarantee of the believer's resurrection, and Paul would say more about that throughout the chapter. But once establishing the fact of the believer's resurrection, then Paul begins to establish the importance of Christ's resurrection. It is important that Jesus rose again from the dead. I want you to understand something tonight. That everything about our lives would totally change if Jesus was not a li living Savior. Everything about Temple Baptist Church, everything we believe, everything we, would, everything we do would suddenly, dramatically be changed and altered if somehow it was proven that Jesus Christ was not a living Savior. Then Paul begins to emphasize the importance or what it would mean if Christ had not rose again. He said in verses 13 through 19, in verses 13 through 19, he gives a series of ifs to show the importance of the resurrection of Christ. What would it mean tonight? What would it mean to me? What would it mean to this church? What would it mean to you if Christ had not been raised from the dead? Well, let me just point out three things from the Scripture or divided in three thoughts tonight of what it would mean if Jesus Christ was not a resurrected Lord. The first thing I want you to notice is this, that our declaration of the resurrected Christ would be false that our declaration, our proclamation, what I am saying tonight and what I have said about Christ all of my life would be absolutely false. For in verse 14 and 15, Paul talks about the preaching of the resurrected Christ and he also talks about those who preach the message of a resurrected Christ. And he tells us that if Christ be not raised from the dead, then both of them would be absolutely false. I look at the text more closely and notice what I'm talking about. For one thing, he tells us that if Jesus Christ is not a resurrected Lord, then our message is destroyed. If Jesus Christ be not a risen, living Savior, then our message is destroyed. For notice what he said in verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. Now, there's two words I want you to think with, notice for just a moment. And that is the word preaching for first, first of all. You see the word preaching there? The word speaks of a proclamation. And by implication, the proclaiming of a gospel message, which we've already seen is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And may I just sidetrack for just a moment and say, that is the heart of preaching. That is what preaching is all about. The word sometimes was used to describe a herald as he would run from town to town to bring the announcement of some good news or whatever. A preacher, as he stands to herald forth the truth of God and to proclaim the gospel message, the heart of a preacher's message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, in his little lectures to his students, in closing, as he dealt with the subject, sermons, their matter, he had this to say. Of all I would wish to say, this is the sum, my brethren. Preach Christ always and evermore. He is the whole gospel. His person, offices, and work must be our one great all-comprehending theme. And I say amen to that. What Spurgeon was saying is that preaching, the heart of preaching, is to be Christ and the message of Jesus Christ. I think about Dr. A.J. Gordon. I told a story about him a couple of weeks ago, but I think about when he was being interviewed for the church that he pastored in Boston for a number of years. And the pulpit committee interviewed uh, Gordon. They asked him the question. They said, if you are called to the pastorate of our church, will you preach against cards? Will you preach against the theater? the church there, and he had not said a word about cards. He had not said a word about the theater. He had not said a word about dancing. So the official board, the official board of the church called him and said, and sat him down and said, almost a year has gone by and you've said nothing about cards. You've said nothing about the theater. You've said nothing about dancing and we want to know why. And I love his answer. Dr. Gordon said, gentlemen, it is true that I have said nothing against these things, but I have preached Christ who is the only Savior from all evils. And when he comes into one's heart, all evil things vanish from the life like the mist before the hot breath of the noonday sun. What Gordon was saying that day is, preach Christ. And if you get a man to Jesus Christ, it will change that man's life. You see, the preaching, the proclamation of the Word of God is declaring forth the theme of all preaching is to be the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. J.H. Jowett fitly described preaching when he said, we're not appointed merely to good advice, but to proclaim good news. I think about after church one Sunday, this little boy went home and announced to his mother, Mother, I have decided that I am going to be a preacher when I grow up. And his mother said, that's wonderful, son. I am so proud of you. But what made you decide that you wanted to be a preacher? And the little boy said, well, I have to go to church anyway, and I figured it'd be more fun to stand up and yell than to sit down and listen. Well, I, want, I think about preaching sometimes. Some preaching I've heard is nothing more than yelling. But I want to say to you tonight that preaching is more than yelling. It is a matter of telling. It is a matter of telling about a Savior who died for our sins on Calvary's cross and he was buried, but thanks be to God, he rose again the third day. Now that is the heart of preaching. Take Christ away from our message, then we've lost the heart of the gospel. We've lost the heart of what preaching is all about. But notice what Paul had to say. He said in verse 14 that if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching in vain. You see the word vain there? It is a word that was descriptive of something that was empty of content, like a shell without a kernel. Paul said, if Jesus is not a resurrected Christ, then Paul was saying that I've lost my content. He said, if Jesus Christ be not a risen Savior, then I have lost what my preaching's all about. I have nothing to preach about. Paul's saying that if he's not alive, my message has been destroyed. 
My message has been rendered void. And I say to you tonight that if the death and the burial, resurrection of Jesus, if Jesus Christ is not a lie, then I don't have anything to say to you tonight. My message has suddenly been taken from me. For the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, as you know, in these 14 years I have been here, my theme has not been issues. My theme has been Christ. And when you take away his Christ, a resurrected Lord, then I'm left without a message, and I suddenly find myself with a message that has no content whatsoever. My message is destroyed. But something else Paul said in verse 15. Not only is the message destroyed if Christ be not raised, but also the messenger is deceptive. Notice what he said in verse 15. Yea, not only have I lost the content of my message, not only has my message been destroyed, but he said we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Paul said, not only if Christ be not raised, have I suddenly lost my message and the content of my message, but he said, second of all, I've been nothing but a false witness. And the word false witnesses that are used there speaks simply of the bearer of an untrue message. In other words, Paul was saying that if Christ is not raised from the dead, then everything I've told you about Christ is a lie. Everything I have told you and told you about Christ being raised from the dead is telling you that, that God did something that he really didn't do. He said, I have become a false witness. I have been deceptive. I have been dishonest. I have been a false witness. I have been a crook. I have been a cheat. I have been a liar. I have been a deceiver. I say to you tonight that if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead, then Peter was a joke. Paul was a liar. James and John and all the apostles, they were nothing but a hoax. Every preacher throughout the ages, if Jesus, had, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then every preacher through the ages, Wesley and Spurgeon and Moody and Whitfield and Edwards and Knox, they've all been nothing but religious charlatans. And if Christ be not raised from the dead, that every missionary that's went out, Carey and Judson and Peyton, they've all led millions astray. And every poet and every hymn writer, Crosby and Chapman and Wesley and Watts, they have been nothing but false witnesses. What we have done, including myself, has declared and just proclaimed something that is a lie. You see, if, I, if Jesus Christ be not raised, I have suddenly lost my content as far as my preaching is concerned, and everything I've been telling you all these years has been nothing but a lie. I've been a joke. I've been a liar. I've been a cheat. I've been a con artist. I have caused you to believe something that is not true. I've been a false witness. You see, if Christ is not raised, then our declaration of the resurrection of Christ is false. Second of all, not only that, but look at even this. Our dependence on the resurrected Christ would be fruitless. Notice in verse 16, once again reminds them of the importance of the believer's resurrection. For he said, if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised? Paul said, I want, just, I want you to remind something. He said, you don't believe in the bodily resurrection. He said, I just want to reemphasize it again that if there, if there is not the bodily resurrection, the believer's body, then it means that Christ was not raised from the dead. And the implication of that is very devastating. Because Paul said, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, it would not only mean that our declaration of the resurrected Christ is false, but even worse, our dependence on the resurrected Christ is fruitless. Say, what do you mean? Look at the text. You see, first of all, that he says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, there is no saving of our souls. He said in verse 14, look back, he said, not only is my preaching vain, empty, 
like a shell without a kernel. But he said in verse 14, and your faith is vain. Verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Use the same word in verse 14 about preaching. It would be like a shell without a kernel. But in verse 17, he uses another word that means to be profitless. Now, you listen to me. If Jesus Christ be not raised from the dead, then every person in this place tonight that has put your, placed your eternal destiny, you have rested whether or not you go to heaven or hell on the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have done that, if Christ be not raised from the dead, then your faith has been without merit. Your faith is in vain. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then everything I've depended on to save my soul has been wrong. If he be not raised from the dead, then everything I have been depending on is in vain. Everything I have depended on has been futile. Everything I depended on has been fruitless. I don't know, I don't know about you, but ever since April the 2nd, 1972, I have depended on nothing less than the finished work of Jesus Christ, one that died on the cross for my sins, but he rose again through the third day. And for these many years, I have joined with William Bradbury in saying, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. And my testimony has been on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. But you listen to me. If Christ be not raised from the dead, then my faith is in vain. If Jesus is not alive, then I'm lost. If he is not a living Savior, then I am on my way to hell. And if Christ be not raised, and you have leaned on and depended on the same thing that I have depended on since April the 2nd, 1972, then you're lost and you're on the way to hell because what you have trusted in has been profitless. It's been in vain. It doesn't matter what we did when we knelt the altar. It doesn't matter what we felt. It doesn't matter what we experienced. It has all been a lie. Our faith has been a joke. All we have had is a false sense of security. If Christ be not raised from the dead, then there's something else. Not only there'll be no saving of our souls, but there'll be no forgiveness of our sins. For he said in verse 13, he adds, and also ye are yet in your sins. Now, there have been times, there's nothing gets me stirred up any more than just to let the Holy Ghost take me down memory lane and remind me of what I used to be and remind me how God forgave me of my sins. And you've heard me break out once in a while and just quote that little thing, song, you ask me while I'm happy. That I'll just tell you why. It's because my sins are gone. I don't know about you, but thank God. The fact that God can forgive his sins, but I want you to listen to me tonight. If Jesus is not alive, and if Christ was not raised from the dead, then I am still under the penalty and the power of sins. My sins have never been forgiven. My sins have never been cleansed. And I am guilty before God because my sins have never been atoned for before a holy God. And if Christ be not raised, you are still in your sins. Notice verse 18, even worse than that, that all of our loved ones that have died, depending on the same thing we have depended on and trusting the same thing we trusted in, they've all died and they're in hell tonight. said in verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. All of our loved ones that believed and put their faith in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, they all died and went to hell. They perished believing it. 
they perish. If Christ be not raised from the dead, their faith was in vain. If Christ be not raised from the dead, their sins were forgiven. And if Christ be not raised from the dead, then they died and they died deceived and eternally down to an eternal hell. Are you listening to me tonight? If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then everything we've been depending on, that, that which cannot save us and has been responsible for many going to hell would be the very thing responsible for you and me going to hell. There is no redeemed life in us unless there is a risen life. Are you listening to me? If Christ be not raised, then my declaration of the message, my declaration of the resurrected Christ is false and my dependence on the resurrected Christ is fruitless. Well, there's something else. He said in verse 19, if he be not raised from the dead, our dedication to the resurrected Christ is foolish. Not only is our, my declaration of the resurrected Christ false and my dependence on the resurrected Christ fruitless, but my dedication to the resurrected Christ has been a foolish matter. For he sums it up, verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in, we are of all men most miserable. I want you to underscore that word miserable for just a moment. For it's a word that means to have mercy on. It'd be like something like, you know, this is what we say. We hear somebody, oh, they, they've been real sick. Now, what do we say? Bless their heart. What we're doing is that's something similar. The word means the same thing. It literally means to be pitied. And Paul says that if Christ be not raised from the dead, then we're to be pitied. We're to be pitied. Why? The, first of all, the life that we have consecrated to Christ has been a foolish one. If in this life, he said, he's talking about this present life, and everything we have given to God and done for God in this life, everything that we have done for him, the consecration of our life, has been nothing but a waste of time and a foolish adventure. And we're to be pitied by this world around us to give our life to something that is nothing but a lie. You, if Christ be not raised from the dead, you take men like Jim Elliott who died on January the 8th in 1956 in the jungles of Ecuador, brutally murdered by the Alca Indians. A man that one time wrote in his journal, a man is no fool to give up what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. If Christ be not raised from the dead, then Jim Elliott was a fool. Jim Elliott was a fool to leave his family here in the States. Jim Elliott was a fool to climb on that airplane. Jim Elliott was a fool to land on that beach. Jim Elliott was a fool to try to make contact with those Alka Indians. Jim Elliott was a fool to give up his life and leave a wife and child around. He was a fool if Christ be not raised from the dead. And I say to you, I look back through the years, and if Christ be not raised from the dead, I've been a fool. I've been a fool to go day and night. I've been a fool to read and study hour after hour after hour. I've been a fool to sacrifice a normal life in order to be a preacher and to be a pastor. I was a fool to get a part-time job and work my way through school and try to learn how to serve God and prepare myself for the ministry. I've been a fool through the year to move my years, to move my family and parsonages and churches I have pastored that other people wouldn't even think about living in. And I've been a fool to go out in the middle of the night and try to help somebody with this problem and help somebody with that problem. I've been a fool if Christ been not raised from the dead. I'm to be pitied if Jesus is not alive. Somebody be so gullible. 
If he be not raised from the dead, then I am to be pitied. And if Jesus be not alive, then you're to be pitied as well. To come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and take 10, 20, 25% of your income and put it into something that is nothing but a lie and to come and involve yourself in all that is going on when you can be involved in something else. He said, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then every one of us tonight are to be pitied. Our consecration to God has been absolutely foolish. But not only that, he goes on to say the life, not only we have consecrated to Christ, but the life we have contemplated in Christ is foolish. For he talks about there not only in this present life, but he talks about our hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. When he talks about hope, he's not talking about I hope this happens or I wish. Hope is always something that you expect. It's something you think about, something you dream of. And say to you tonight that if Christ is not raised from the dead, then everything we've looked forward to and everything we've talked about. When I go to a cemetery, I went to a cemetery yesterday with a family of one of our members, 47 years old, that died of cancer and left behind an 18-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old boy. And I was a fool to walk out there and I deceived those kids when I walked out that cemetery and I said, I want you children to remember your mama loved you and your mother's going to be with you every day of your life even though she's not here now and I would have been a fool to tell them that one of these days you'll see your mother again because if Christ be not raised from the dead, then the life we have contemplated has been a joke. Everything we have dreamed about, everything we have anticipated, all that we have looked forward to, a heavenly home without sin, a heavenly home without death, a heavenly home without sickness, a heavenly home without heartache, a heavenly home without sorrow, a heavenly home without tears. It has been nothing more than a myth, and we've all been a fool to even believe in such a thing. If Christ be not raised from the dead. Are you listening to me? If he's not alive, then it changes everything, don't it? If he's not alive, then my preaching has been absolutely stupid. If he's not alive, then what me and you have believed in has been absolutely stupid. If he's not alive, then all of our giving and all of our work and all of our sacrifice has been absolutely stupid. Can I say it this way? If Jesus is not alive, then every one of us are nothing but morons. How do I sum it up? Let me sum it up this way. As I was studying and going over this, I don't think it ever really got a hold of me like it did in my study this week. The thing about if he had not rose again, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, I don't think it ever really gripped my heart quite like it did. And I was for a few minutes just sitting there just really in the grips of what it would mean if he had not rose again. I don't know how you are. I'm the kind of person, I've always got to have music or something behind me or something going on. Get me in a total quiet place, I'm going to turn the radio on. I can't go to bed unless TV's on. I can't go to sleep unless TV's on. I turn the TV on so I can go to sleep. And Sherry, she said, turn it off where I can go to sleep. I said, if I turn it off, I won't be able to go to sleep. So I want to go to sleep. So you work it out your own self. So I turn the timer on, turn the TV on, whatever. I, if I'm going down the road and it's dead quiet, I'll, I'll turn radio on, whatever. That, but in my study, I was sitting there and I put on a tape, some gospel music, and it's just playing in the background, not loud. It's just, I guess it's just the way I'm geared. I had three kids and whatever there, and, and you raised three kids, whatever like that. You're not used to it being quiet, so you kind of, you know what I mean. Say amen, parents. 
But I had a CD in the background is playing whatever and is the Lemmings. They've been here before and I just let it play. Wasn't paying any attention, really paying attention to how, how you do. But I was sitting there just thinking about it. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then all of a sudden my ear caught the song they were singing. In the early morning stillness of the third day, through the darkness, the ladies made their way up the hill through the garden to the grave where they heard the holy angels proclaim, He's not here. He arose like he said. He's not here. You won't find him among the dead. He's not here. He's conquered sin's prison. He's not here. He's risen. And I confess to you, I jumped slam up out of my seat and I couldn't help it. But I shouted to the top of my voice and I thought, my preaching's not in vain. I still got a message. He's alive. My faith is not in vain. I'm not going to heaven, but I'm going to hell. He's alive. My loved ones have not died in vain. He's alive. We, my loved ones have not perished. There is eternal home. He's alive. Thank God it's not in vain. He did rise from the raise from the dead. Say amen. Oh, you listen to me. We might wonder what if, but thank God you don't have to despair. It's a settled issue. He got up from the dead and he's alive. Let's stand our feet, please.